Good morning. Can everyone see me on the camera? Yes. All right. Is it crooked? Am my face in it straight or centered? You're a bit off. I'm a bit off. Okay, let's see. Let's see how far am I off. Oh, no, that's good. What are you talking about? All right. Welcome, everyone. This is Pastor Derek Fletcher. Coming to you live with Yes and Amen Youth Church with Derek and Yanni Fletcher. Welcome on this morning. Uh, yet another opportunity to learn about the church and about Christ. And so this lesson is in a series is going to share more of a historical emphasis of the early church and then how the mainstream Protestant faith system was implemented in some history about uh, Constantine and, and those type of things. So so stay tuned. It's a, a more of a technical historical lesson on today. So God bless you. Enjoy the music while we get some things prepped here. Oh, let's put the share back on. Share screen. Share screen. All right. guys see the screen now? Can you still hear the music? Okay. Can you see the screen now? Yes. Okay. All right. So today, um, our goal today is to give you, the students, an opportunity to become aware of the basic outline of church's history. And I kind of mentioned that before. Additionally, I want you to understand how we are all an important part of the great history. It says great story. We say great history of the church. This whole topic centered around the body of Christ, Christianity, and the church. Okay, so... Uh, so who who prayed us the last time? Who remembers? Okay, Derek, open us in prayer, please. I prayed the last time. So. Oh, okay. Oh, so you said since you prayed the last time and I asked you to pray, you don't want to pray? Is that what you're saying? No, you just asked who prayed last time. Oh, okay. Why'd you take so long to share? I was... Sorry. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, um, go ahead and pray. Okay. Thank you. Father God, we thank you on day for keeping us safe, for keeping us whole and healthy. Father God, today is a special day, a great day, a very, very good day. In every day, in every way, there is a special day, Father God, surrounding you and us. Father God, we thank you on today for food and clothes, shoes and more on our table and on what we wear. Father God, we thank you on today for the grace, for the, all the blessings that you have blessed us with, for all the opportunities that you've given us, Father God. In Jesus, my name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you guys hear that airplane? I can hear it outside. You can hear it outside. Okay, good. You can't hear it in the in the lesson. Okay, so this is our memory verse for today. And it says here, Matthew 16, 16 through 19. And it says, Simon Peter answered. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I'll read again, Matthew 16, 16 through 19. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Again, at 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but 
but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right, you guys ready to read this? Yes. Yeah. Okay, repeat after me. Matthew 16, 16 through 19. Matthew 16 through 19. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Verses 16 through 19. Verses 16 through 19. Okay. Let's. Okay. Simon Peter answered. Simon Peter answered. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Jesus replied. Jesus replied. Okay, someone's moving. Let's stay still. Let's stay still. You're moving too much. I can hear it on the mic. Jesus replied. Jesus replied. Blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. But by my Father in heaven. But by my Father in heaven. And I will tell you that you are Peter. And, and I will, I will tell, tell you, you that, that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And, and on, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's try that again. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his word. Okay, let's look here. Uh, and so the open group, we'll just capture that and pause it there for people to look at it. And here's some questions. Do you know the first, middle, and last name of your dad? Do you know the first and last, middle, middle and last name of your mom? Do yes. you know the first, middle, and last name 
of at least one of your grandparents? Yes. Yes. But not the middle names. Okay. Do you know the first name of your great-grandparents? Yes. Even if they are no longer... Okay. Okay. So the, the middle name of your grandparents, your grandmother, Maddie, her name is Maddie Lois Fletcher. Okay. Okay. All right. And granddad, he has no middle name, Jerry Fletcher. And guess what your great granddad's uh, name is? What? On 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 your uh, grandfather's side, his name is Jerry. And on your grandmother's side, your grandfather, his name is Silas, like Paul and Silas. His first name is Silas. Ah. Okay. All right. So you can pause and do this. Okay. So very good. Not too many. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we pause that. So let's get dug in. Let's see what's going on here. Chances are, you know, a little bit about your particular denomination or faith group, your own beliefs and those of the people who believe the same as you. But now, but how many, but how much do you know about those who come way before you? Probably not a whole lot. Do you know? No. Do you know how the church uh, from the Bible became the church of today. Are there any gaps in your knowledge about the growth and evolution of the church? For no. example, do you know that the church was what the church was like in the 1500s? No. Okay. So, why would it be important to know about the history of the church? What do you guys think it's important? I believe to learn more of the history and the importance. Okay. And it, it's helpful to know and understand what the, what the modern uh, schisms are and why the church is divided into different uh, denominations too. All right. And so today... Um, what we're going to do is to take a basic overview or look at what the church has been for the last 2,000 years, right? From the book of Acts to the present day. It's very important. It's, it's, it's a cool outlook. And so the early church is known for explosive growth despite persecution, right? And so we already read this right here, this scripture. I'll just read it here real quick again. Matthew 16, uh, verses 16 through 19. And it says, Simon Peter, 
answer, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. <laughs> and I tell you what you are, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades. And Hades is the Greek word for hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatsoever, whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Okay, who started the church as it is? Who started the church? And what is the church based on? Who started the church? Who started the church? Any answers? God. Okay. Um, I would say something like... Uh... Perhaps the son or the son, okay. Or what was his name? Joshua. Joshua. Jesus yep. and the apostles. Yep. Okay. So so what's the church based on? Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. Now the, the context of that scripture that we've been reading. Jesus asked Peter, he says, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, he said, thou art Christ, son of the living God. And then Jesus said to, uh, uh, to, to Peter, he said, Simon Peter answered, you, well, yeah. So Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. I said, Christ, you are Christ. Okay. And so he says here, you know, he said, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Right. He said, but my father in heaven. All right. And so Acts 1 and 8. Uh, okay. Can I get a volunteer to read that? Acts 1 and 8. Okay, Yanni. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead, Derek. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes. Okay. This is Jesus, right? He's speaking. Uh, just before he ascends, going up to heaven, right? Commission his disciples to start the church. In the book of Acts, the church begins to grow and grow it does. By the end 
of the book of Acts, the church is active in Rome, hundreds of miles from its beginning in Jerusalem, right? Correct. Okay. And so we'll, we're going to show you the uh, chart in, in a little while, talking about the chart that shows like the, the, the different uh, denominations formed off and how the church broke off and, and different things, okay? Okay, so here we have Acts 2 and 41. All right, and we're going to have Yanni read that. And it says, how many are in the church now? And at this time, there were 3,000. Okay, Yanni, read Acts 2 and 41, please. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay. All right. And so... All right, so Acts 4 and 4. Uh, and I'm going to have Derek read it. And so how many are in the church now? There's 5,000. Okay, yeah. read that, Derek. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Okay. And so the church is growing. And it doesn't stop growing. Oh, right? no, it does not. Okay, so here, right, in a span of of uh, 200 years, there's 7,500, right? And then in uh, 200 A.D., Right, the church grows to what's that? Six point three million, right? Well, that's the time before. Think of how many, think of how many believers there are now. Right. I believe it said something about over a billion, over a billion believers. Okay. As what I recall. Okay. That so, means a lot of churches. Right. Okay, so um, this first page, this first age of Christian anities sticks out because of the explosive growth, right? There's this it's about 90% uh uh differential of increase. What's weird is that the church was growing in, in spite of persecution. We don't have the time to spend on it, but you need, you need to know that in the early period, believers were denied the right to get together, right? Um, were threatened with death, had stuff stolen from them by the government had buildings destroyed and leaders arrested and were required to participate in pagan rituals not good okay um 
so pagan rituals. And so I'm going to share with you a couple of things that are pagan rituals. One is the observation of Halloween. That's a pagan, that's a pagan ritual uh, from the satanic order, right? You guys are quiet. Yes. Okay, not only that, the the uh November the first, which is the day of the dead for the Spanish culture, right? Where they yeah. where they build build altars, um and and they called past family members. Okay, that's also a ritual, a pagan ritual. Okay. Okay. So, so you gotta know. You guys gotta know um centered around those things the origin and why okay okay what do you think it would have what is it what is it called the day of the dead or santa de muerte is that what it's called i forgot uh -oh. dia los muertos oh, okay no. that's what it's called what is it called Okay. What is, it, what is it called, Yanni? De Amoite, right? De Amoite, the day of the dead. Amoite, right? Amoite means what? Okay. All right. Let's keep going. Okay, so what do you think it would be like? Oh, yeah, live? here it is. Dia de los muertos. Yep. Okay, there we go. Day of the dead. So what do you think it would have been like to live as a Christian with all that stuff going on? Folks getting put in jail, folks getting persecuted. So what do you think? I'd say it would have been a bit of a rough and hard life. Okay. Okay. So how do you think your faith would have lasted through all those things? The trials, the the persecutions, the the ostrac the mistreatment. What do you think? Oh, everybody's quiet. So how do you think the church continued to grow despite all that? How, why do you think they kept growing? I think because of God and the faith and because they didn't quit, say, like... Uh, okay, they didn't quit. They didn't quit. They kept, kept the faith. Uh-huh. They kept the faith. And, yeah. All right, all right, okay. And so God definitely had a plan and the church was taken off. This led to a time when the church became very normal instead of persecuted, right? And so let's go to the Middle Ages, right? And so the Middle Ages are, are kind of like between 
300 AD to about 1500 AD, right? The church is in the Middle Ages because normal became normal and institutional, right? So most historians start the Middle Ages at the fall of Rome, okay? We make the break here because of the significant change that took place at the beginning of the 300s, which had implications for the next 1,200 years, okay? Okay. All right, so I mentioned about Constantine. And so I'll give a summary. So in early 300s, there was a Roman emperor. His name was Constantine. Constantine was a pagan emperor. However, when he prepared for battle in 312, it's reported that he had a vision. And he had a vision. In his vision, uh, he was told to conquer by the sign of the cross, right? By the sign of the cross. So the vision that he had, it moved him to the point where he had all his army mark on their shields across, right, for the army. And the army was victorious. And this changed his thinking, right? It changed his thinking. He's still a pagan guy. And so that changed the course. And basically, he kind of legitimized or accepted the Christian faith, right? Correct. And when I say that, it wasn't like all the way, it was a, more of a political factoid for him, of a political move, right? In some cases, they were given tax breaks and special privileges, okay? And so okay. Constantine also um, has some things to do with the Council of Nice, um, which also... Uh, which is not in this lesson, but I'll share it really quick. And so it was centered around the Trinitarian concept and then the Unitarian of one God and then the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which is Trinitarian. And so that even sparked a, a further divide, even though he accepted Christianity. Um, and so that's something else to talk about in, at another time. And so with the growth, the church became normal, right? It became more of an integrated uh, system of things. All right, let's go back here. Okay, any questions about that? No. So he, he issued, Constantine issued uh, in, in the Edict of Milan, which was a proclamation to tolerate uh, intolerance to tolerate uh, the Christian faith system, okay? So I'll share that real quick because there's a question down here that kind of, it'll kind of highlight. All right, so any questions? And you guys can Google Constantine, uh, Roman emperor. So, so there's, I, I actually have a book upstairs that kind of talks about or highlights Constantine. 
Okay, so do you think the edict of Milan was good or bad for Christians and why? Well, I'd say it was bad. Why do you think so? Well, because they had a rough time. Okay, but it said it accepted uh, the faith system, the Christian faith system, right? Yes. In but, society. So, so, yes. but you think it still was bad. Okay, what about no, you, Yanni? I think it was good. Okay. Okay. Why do you think it was good? Because Derek, Derek said it was bad because they had a hard time. And so what are you saying, Yanni? I think it's good because they gain more people for okay. the church. Okay. So part of it, I think, um, and we and we see that translation in today's society where people use Christian faith uh, to manipulate people referencing government policy, right? And so both of you are correct. So there are some good elements and some bad elements to this. Um, what it did, it, it allowed Christianity to be accepted uh, uh, in the secular context of things, but it also allowed people to kind of kind of mix in uh, other beliefs and other things, right? And, and so that, that, but the church still grew. And um, so there's, there's good and bad to that. Do you think it would be right to become a Christian because of the advantages offered? You know, not just, huh? Not just because of the advantages offered, but because right. you're serving and pledging your allegiance to God. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, 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 I can understand that. And so nevertheless, it certainly helped the church grow, right? Uh, from 6.3 million to uh, 34 million in 350 years, okay? That's a, that's a huge growth. The Christian church made up over 56% of the Roman Empire. It became hugely influential, not only because of its size, but because of its political power, right? And I just mentioned about that, right? This power influenced the church for over a thousand years, right? And, and we see it even now, the politics of belief and, and those type of things. Um, there was some good stuff that happened in, in this period. The Bible was completed and brought together in one place, right? Heresies, false teachings were uh, rebuked and rejected. The church became really organized and influential in the entire Roman world right? And so that's good. That's good. And with that good, there's always a, a, a turn of some negative things also, right? What we see is the Catholic Church and the Holy Roman Empire influencing 
other cultures and influencing uh, the world as a whole, right? The Catholic church or the universal church really taking root uh, in the Western civilization and really organizing and growing as uh, with the, yeah, compared to the uh, Near East or the, the, the uh, Jerusalem area uh, in the hands of the Roman Empire, it really grew to a international and a world uh, recognized establishment, okay? And so it, was, it wasn't all good, right? It became pretty institutional and stale. The Middle Ages were also known as the Dark Ages. Corruptions, corruptions crept into the church in obvious ways. The church worked in uh, cooperations or cooperation with the state and became politically motivated. Popes answered to civil officials and civil officials answered to popes. So there were a lot of, there was a lot of corruption, a lot of politics, a lot of things happening, right? The church became the law and exercise a lot of its authority. Many church leaders were evil and brought and bought their position through bribes, right? So it was a lot happening. Uh, society was illiterate. They didn't know how to read, guys. And and because and it couldn't read the Bible for themselves. So sometimes the church took advantage of that to advance his own cause. And so we're grateful today because we have a Bible. Back then they didn't have a Bible and, and it took a lot for the Bible to get printed and people were being killed um, because there, if you knew the Bible, there's an area of power that you had and influence, right? But most of the people didn't know how to read and they were very, very poor. They were peasants, okay? And so let's look at this. How is the church doing during this period, like and unlike the church of today? And any, any, anybody want to deal with that question? What do you guys think? Well, I would say, but I'm not necessarily going to. I mean, it's it's pretty common. Okay. All right. I'd say it's pretty common. Like, yeah. it's leveled. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. So, so when we look at this, um, there are some similarities within the church context, especially the Roman church, um, the Catholic, we'll say the Roman Catholic church. 
there's still that level of influence that the Pope has. And, and they're almost considered like an, an independent nation. Okay, so I'll share that with you. And so there's political agendas that the church promotes and, and things like that, etc. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'll say that. So why does it hurt the church when it doesn't have respect in society in which it is located? Okay, so in some instances, the political clout or the strength of the church is, is almost of no impact in some cases, not in all. And so what do we, what do we have to do to extend past that to make an impact on where we're at? And I'll, I'll say this, there's, there's areas of influence and there's churches that do take uh, on political agendas to influence policy and procedure. So do you feel the church has a bad or a good reputation in our society? What I do you think? I feel like it has a good reputation. Huh? One at a time. It has a good reputation. Okay. The church has a good reputation. Okay, awesome. Okay, why? Why would you say that? Because even though that uh, that uh, they had their ups and downs, they never stopped, well, fighting for what's right. They never stopped praying to God. They never stopped saying he is the Alpha and Omega. They never stopped. They didn't stop. Okay, okay. Not to mention throughout the history of churches, it's always been about worship and praise. And every time you go to church, it's like one big, huge family. Okay, all right, all right. And so, good. What about you, Yanni? I think that they have good, good because um, the church was growing and like they were all coming together. Okay. So this period set the change for some exciting, uh, uh, this period set the stage for some exciting changes at the hands of people who became frustrated with the overpowering authoritarian church. And so the Reformation, it's, it's, it's called the Protestant Reformation, I'll tell you that. Uh, they just said Reformation here. So Martin Luther, he was a German. Uh, he nailed a thesis uh, to a church, to a uh, um, Catholic church. And his thesis challenged the authority of the church uh, relative to uh, that the priest was the only one that could uh, forgive sins and and that type of thing, okay? And so Martin Luther said, hey, we don't need a priest. We can go in directly to God 
Amen. And, and, and so uh, people didn't like that. He said, hey, we don't need a priest. Matter of fact, the priests um, aren't getting married and, and that's not how it should be. So he challenged a lot of things that the Catholic Church was doing, right? And so let's read this. He says, uh, the, the world woke up from the dark ages in a lot of ways. The new world was being discovered. Voices of protest were starting to arise and the stage was set. Okay, and they're talking about the Protestant Reformation, right? And so the Reformation period was about reforming what the church was thought was what the church was through passionate people. The Reformation began on a day that we know as October the 31st. 1517. On this day, a guy named Martin Luther posted the 95th thesis or disputes that he had with the church, right? This got people talking and moving toward a reformed church, right? And so uh, the Reformation was never meant to split the church until this time, right? There was basically one church at that time, the Roman Catholic Church. However, the Reformation, I guess I need to hold this here still, sought to reform the church and a split occurred, okay? So the church split. At that point, you had the Protestants and you had the Catholic Church, okay, guys? Okay. All right. I hope I'm not making you guys dizzy by moving this thing. I'm trying to keep it still. And so this is why today we have so many different denominations. Okay. So how many denominations can you name? All right. Can anybody name a denomination? You guys probably can't because I don't teach you about the different denominations. Yes. Okay, so we have Protestant, we have Catholic, and there's subdivisions off of that, okay? Okay. So do you think denominations are good or bad? What do you think? Bad. Bad. Okay, they're bad, right? So there's Baptist, there's Methodist. Let's see here, yeah. Methodist, Lutheran, etc. Right, and, and we fall into the Protestant side. We're not. We're not Catholic. Okay, and so Protestant. That's Protestant. That's where all the all the uh, denominations are at. So it can be bad in some contexts. It's good, I think. So there were other leaders besides Martin Luther. Because of their influence, many different churches sprung up. For example, from Martin Luther came the Lutherans. From John Calvin, Calvin, 
the Calvinists, the Presbyterians, the Reformed, etc., and from Mino Simons, the Mennonites. Okay, so you'll hear these names um, throughout. And so there's Mennonite churches, etc. So there's so there's a lot of denominational uh, shred outs. Okay. And so I'm going to show you here uh, the tree right here. So I'm, I'm going to have you guys look at it. And uh, you see that right there? Let's go back up. Okay, so you see over here on the left side, we have what? The Roman Catholic Church. You see that? Roman Catholic Church. All right, you guys good over there? Yes. Okay, let's see here. I'm going to circle that. All right, that's the Roman Catholic Church. And the Eastern Orthodox. All right, and so the Eastern Orthodox, um, they allow their priests to marry. Roman Catholic, the, the priest can't marry. And that's a shame, that's... But that's how it is, right? Yeah. And so here, it says the Great Schism of 1054. All right? And that caused a divide uh, between uh, the Ethan, Eastern Orthodoxy and the Roman Catholic. And so then we have the Reformation, right? Martin Luther puts up the 95th thesis on the church, right? And so what we have here, we have a series of radical, reform, and English, okay? Okay. All right, so there's, there's uh, a ton of things here. And so we have Amish and Mennonite, we have the Baptist right here. And so I grew up Baptist. Okay, we have Martin Baptist. We have Free Will Baptist. We have Southern Baptist. So we have Lutherans and Presbyterians. Right? And so Martin Lutherans, Missouri, uh, Sinon. Okay, we have modern Presbyterians right here. Okay, and then we have what we call Episcopal, the Methodists, uh, and so upon the Methodists, they 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 have the section off of the the uh, Holiness movement, and so let's 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 circle that. So the Holiness movement. This took place uh, during the turn of the 19th century, 19th to 20th century. And the Azusa Street Mission was primarily responsible for that action. There were others, but that's the one in the United States. And so the Holiness Movement, Church of the Nazarene, uh, Pentecostal, 
Lism, right? And so we have the Church of the Nazarene down here, right? And so, so and so you can see there's so many what we call break-offs, so many. And so we have the Church of God, which is here, and the Assemblies of God. And they didn't even really break off the Calvinists, or did they? Or they call the Calvinists here. Okay, Presbyterian, so they did, right? Lutheran, Presbyterian. Okay, so, so remember these. And these are some of the sub, sub uh, divisions within the denominations of the church, okay? Any questions about that? No. Okay, and we're just sharing. So it says, give each student a copy of the handout and a few minutes to look it over. So let's go back here and, and freeze it so you guys can look at it kind of like that. So so, so it's a lot, it's a lot happening, okay? All right, let's keep it moving. Okay, so it says there are lots of other leaders and branches that came to be out of the Reformation. There were radical reformers, there were English reformers. The Catholic Church held a counter-Reformation fighting back against the passionate leaders who sought to change things. It's a lot to cover and we don't have time now. I mean, it, there's a lot guys, um, but the handout kind of describes it and it shares it with the, with the family tree, okay? All right. Okay, so when you look at it, you realize how much the face of the church changed during the reformation. Right, you saw how there was really just one, it was a Catholic church, and then you have the Eastern Orthodox Church, and then uh, below the Catholic Church, you have all these Reformation uh actions of things changing and, and taking place. Okay, yeah, do you think the Reformation change was good or bad for the church? What do you think? I think it was good okay all right what about you yanni she'll be back oh she'll be back okay so how do you think the different denominations should view one another i huh. think i think they should view one another as brother and sister that's that's um. how i feel 
but some of them don't and they they watch guard over their belief systems but i think they should view each other as brothers and sisters and able to pray together talk and come together how do you view the traditions of others when they don't match your own now i'll be honest the traditions of men make the power and the anointing of God null and void. So some traditions and areas, I can push past them to embrace them as brother and sister in Christ, okay? Long as it's that we're in Christ together, I'm okay. All right, you got me? Got it. When the Reformation changed the face of the church greatly, while the Reformation changed the church, the face of the church greatly, the changes were only the beginning. Okay. This here, okay, they were only the beginning. Now let's look at the modern period and the modern time with reference to the church. This is this is a, a really good lesson. I won't call it lengthy. But all this information you need to know, okay? Because you need to know where you stand, what you believe, and what others believe. All right, is Yanni back now? No. She should be back. Okay. Should I pause the lesson? Wait for no, we'll we'll keep going. Okay. So let's look at the modern church. the modern period. So the world was ex exploding with, the world was exploding with information and technology. People were traveling back and forth over oceans. Communication was becoming easier and easier. And the printing press allowed scriptures to be translated into uh, what we call varios, Lang various languages and printed in the masses, various languages, that's what it should be. Okay, so the church had, since its beginning in Acts 1, been a missionary church, but the church in the modern period is perhaps best identified by the spread of the gospel globally, okay? So it should also be noted that we as Christians today are writing the history of the church, our involvement in the learning, teaching, and spreading of the gospel will affect how our era is viewed, amen, someday. So what we do now is going to impact the future. All right, do you believe that? 
Yes. Okay, good. Where's Yanni? Is she back? Okay, we we gonna keep going. Do you think? Give me a second. I want to just check something out here. Oh, she's still here. All right, so let's keep it going. There aren't any screens. Let's close that. Let's close that. All right, so there are approximately 1,600 people, groups in the world. Oh, let's go back up. Do you think the church is more or less influential now that the era we've already discussed and why? You think we're more influential now? I'm think? sure we are. Okay. Okay, so how does it make you feel to know that the church you are a part of is only part of a much bigger story? I feel yeah. a lot more important. Okay. A part of something great, you could say. Okay. Do you think the church will ever die? Never. Okay. Never. Okay. Long serious believers. Okay, the church of today is a healthy one, but it's one whose mission is incomplete. Remember Acts 1. There are still people in places on the earth who don't know Christ. Consider this. There are approximately 1,600, no, 16,000 people groups in the world. A people group is a body of people with a common self-identity that is shared by the the various members of these 16,000 people groups, there are 6,600 who have never heard the gospel of Christ. There are 2.7 billion people in these unreached groups, which is about 41% of the total world population. Right? So there's still gospel that has to go forward. Okay? Let's look at this right here. So there's still work to be done. Our era will be defined by how effective we are doing that work. Do those numbers surprise you? that there's still people in the world that haven't heard the good news about the gospel? What do you think? Yes, I am surprised. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm surprised and not surprised. Okay. How does realizing how many unreached people there are in the world make you feel? How do you feel about that? 
I feel like more people should know about the word of God. Huh? I feel like more people should know about the word of God. Okay. Okay, they should. Okay, in what ways is the common, the commission of Jesus to his followers in Acts 1 and 8, like our commission of today? Let's see, what does Acts 1 and 8 say? Let's take a look. I have an idea of what it says, but let's take a look. Acts 1 and 8. Yeah, here we go. I know this one. It says, but ye, let's copy it over. Right? But ye will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? So how can you help write the story of our era? What do you think you can do? What about sharing the gospel of the good news with friends? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. What about living the example, getting A's and B's in school, working hard, studying hard, uh, showing love to your brother and your sister and to fellow classmates? Okay. That's okay. what it's all about. All right. So let's look at this. It says sometimes when you think of this enormous task, right? When you think of this enormous task, it's easy to get frustrated, feel uh, bogged down and get ahead of yourselves. But remember, Jesus's words be a witness in Jerusalem where you live in Jerusalem, in the area around you, in Samaria, to your neighboring countries, and everywhere in the world, all across the globe. Don't be frustrated. Be excited. It's a great privilege that we carry and that we have to carry the gospel and help write the history of the church. That's you and I. We have that opportunity. You and I. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this great lesson about the church and the structure of the church. And that we carry the gospel into the uttermost parts of the world, from Jerusalem to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Glory to your name, Lord God, that this word is heard among the fellowship of believers, and that it is received, that we share the gospel of the good news. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you, Father. Amen. All right. Be blessed Amen. on today. Amen. Pastor Derek Fletcher. Amen. And Derek Fletcher and Yanni Fletcher with yes and amen. Youth Church. All right. Be blessed on today.
Here we go. 